Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, fellow coffee and book lovers, and welcome back to another episode where I'm going to continue reading to you Coffee, A Connoisseur's Companion by Claudia Roden. We are coming back to the middle of page 34, and I will go ahead and continue for you now. Many quips and sallies written from when coffee was new in France by such men as Hugo, Flaubert, Baudelaire, Balzac, and Zola testify to its power to stimulate creative work without unpleasant side effects. Prince Talleyrand, 1754-1839, through 1839, expressed a general feeling when he said about a cup of coffee that it detracts nothing from your intellect, on the contrary, your stomach is freed by it and no longer distresses your brain. It will not hamper your mind with troubles, but give freedom to its working. Suave molecules of mocha stir up your blood without causing excessive heat. The organ of thought receives from it a feeling of sympathy. Work becomes easier, and you will sit down without distress to your principal repast, which will restore your body and afford you a calm, delicious night. Today, the controversy about the effects on coffee on health is still not resolved. Studies so far have been contradictory and, and inconclusive. During the 1980s, one scare story after another linked coffee drinking with cancer, infertility, defects of the fetus, heart, and other diseases. But every study claiming a link has been followed by further studies contradicting the claim. A very recent Scottish Heart Health study on 10,000 men and women has given coffee the all-clear on links with heart disease. The beneficial effect of coffee is that it aids digestion, acts as a diuretic, and offers stimulation without subsequent depression. The stimulating constituent, caffeine, which is also present in tea, chocolate, and cola drinks, is arguably the world's most popular drug. It acts on the nervous system and on muscles, increasing mental activity and heightening perception. It does have ill effects, but almost always when there is overindulgence. These ill effects may include insomnia, palpitations, headache, stomach upset, twitchiness, and irritation. General opinion is that in moderation, coffee is not harmful. People differ in their caffeine sensitivity, and the limit of moderation is a matter of individual constitution. Research has failed to eliminate the element of individual and psychological idiosyncrasy. Some people are immune to six or more cups a day and can drink coffee late into the evening without losing sleep, while three cups can make others develop palpitations and stay awake at night. How much we can drink can only be determined from personal experience. To most of us, the boost in concentration, the counter to the post-lunch dip in alertness and the surge in energy when we are feeling tired are the main attractions of coffee. It is certainly to the much maligned caffeine that the beverage owes its survival through generations of incompetent brewing that destroyed all of its enjoyment as a drink. The health scare has not taken hold in Britain and Europe as much as it has in America, where it has produced a vast increase in the market for decaffeinated coffee. Consumers in America are now also worried about solvents in decaffeinated coffees, about chemical pesticides and fertilizers, 
chemicals used in bleached filter paper, and also those chemicals used for flavoring. Custom and Ritual Few travelers to the Levant fail to notice the luxury of tranquil enjoyment possessed by those who sit in front of a tiny cup filled with syrupy, frothy black coffee, epitome of a way of life which prizes kaif, peace of mind, above all things. They may sit in the silent darkness of a cavern-like shop, a nargale, or water pipe, passing from one to the other, or in an open-air cafe spilling across the street, surrounded by the animated shouts of shish, bish, of backgammon players and the clapping of their dice and counters. Sometimes two chairs alone, one acting as armrest, footstool, and table, outside a barber shop, invite them to the moment of bliss. Certainly the Arab dictum, as with art, tis prepared, so one should drink it with art, is honored in this part of the world where coffee was first made. Perhaps it is the early religious use of coffee that has given it a ceremonial character in the world of Islam. The dervishes of old drank coffee to keep awake during the nights given to religious devotion. The drink has kept warm in a large red earthenware vessel, each dervish receiving some in turn from his superior, who dipped their small bowls into the jar. They sipped the coffee while they chanted, Allah wa Akbar, where God is great. After the dervishes were served, the jar was passed round to the rest of the congregation. Never was a religious ceremony performed without coffee being drunk. Today, centuries after it became secularized, coffee drinking is still in the Middle East, an activity enmeshed in ritual, practiced at all times throughout the day. In Arabia, a watered-down form of an early coffee drinking ceremony still exists, starting with a string of gestures, greetings, praises to God, inquiries into health, traditional formulas of courtesy of an infinite and elegant variety. Rules of etiquette are observed in serving, and some cases involving each process of making, each performed with intense seriousness and deliberate nicety. The tiny, half-egg-sized cups are refilled three or four times. To refuse is an unforgivable insult. In this proverbial, proverbially hospitable area, coffee is the symbol of hospitality. It is considered an outrage not to offer a cup of coffee to anyone who enters your house, and almost an equal outrage to refuse. Coffee is made individually as soon as a visitor arrives, always freshly brewed in the small, long-handled copper or brass pots called kanaka or ibrik, sometimes roasted and pounded just before brewing. Tiny cups are set out in inlaid brass trays, as well as several glasses of water, sometimes scented with rose water, to be drunk before, not after, so as not to wash down the taste of coffee. A bowl of jam may be set with little spoons hung on the side for guests to relish a little at a time as they take their coffee. On special occasions, a few small pastries are piled on an elegant little plate. It is essential that each cup of coffee must have its share of the foam, which is called wesh or face. To ensure this, coffee is poured with a slight quiver of the hand. An important person is served first, the oldest next, and women last. 
Among Bedouins, cups are served only half filled. A filled one would mean drink up and go, a bitter insult also shown in the adage, fill the cup for your enemy. Here, ritual insists that the poor should be served first to ensure that the pot is not a deadly one for the person of most importance who is served next. It is not unknown for people to have been dispatched to another world with poison slipped into a cup of coffee. At this stage comes a great deal of arguing with shouts of Abedan, Abedan, as each guest refuses, wishing to honor his neighbor more.